Hello, my beautiful boons, and welcome to the episode of today. So today's episode is all about knowing that you are more than enough. It's all about identifying when you're feeling that you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not enough for someone, or you don't have enough of something to offer somebody. And I'm going to talk about how you can find those feelings of feeling like you are actually enough, okay? Um, I do have a listener question at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that as well. I don't have a brain fact today. I did not organize myself properly. Anyway, let's get straight into it. So this episode applies to a whole bunch of situations where you might feel like you are not enough. For example, after a failure, something you've you've gone out on a limb, you've tried something and you failed at it. After a breakup, someone's ended it with you, they've broken your heart, or you've been in a relationship and you've pushed and pushed and pushed to make it work and it just was not working. It was so unhealthy that you had to pull the pin in the end. After a rejection, you've put yourself out there in any kind of situation and been rejected. After Losing a friendship, someone's cut you out as a friend, they're not interested, they don't want to be your friend anymore. Um, after, yeah, or after something, someone's done something within the family, after, you know, you feel unloved by a family member, it could be a parent, it could be someone else within the family. Um, a parent, that's like a really big one for a lot of people. And then like after being fired, after being let go by, you know, a job that you probably really wanted to keep or you thought that you were doing really well at. How I'm going to break this episode down is I'm going to go over six things that you can do to make you feel that you are enough, okay? And when you're having these feelings of, you know, feeling not good enough, feeling abandoned, feeling like you didn't meet the standards, I want you to focus on these things, okay? When someone leaves you or tells you that they don't want you in their life, you feel like you are not enough. Not enough to keep someone, you know, not good enough to keep them entertained, not good enough to be loved. And when this happens, when you lose what made you feel like you were enough, it could be a partner, a job, a friendship, or when you don't attain that thing that you thought would make you feel like you're enough, you end up feeling like you are missing something. You as a person are missing something, missing something within you, that you end up feeling that you don't have what others have. And often this comes after feeling the pain of abandonment. And for a lot of people, abandonment pain is one of the most unbearable pains that they will ever go through. And that links quite heavily to this primitive need to be accepted by those around us. So often when you have emotional abandonment, which is generally in a romantic relationship, this pain is very intense and it can take over your life for quite a significant amount of time and it could just be so overbearing. And I I just know that there are so many listeners right now nodding their heads being like, I'm fucking going through that right now or preach, I've been through that and that was a fucking ride and I'm just thrilled that I'm out the other side. But it really can be one of the most unempowering things to go through and it can stick and it can stay with you and it can start to kind of paint over how you feel towards yourself in all these other areas. And feeling like you're not enough encourages more of the same feeling, like attracts like, 
thoughts attract similar thoughts. So when you feel like, wow, I wasn't enough for that person to want to be with me. We were in a relationship for a few years and all of a sudden they just pulled the pin. I didn't see it coming. Like, what is wrong with me? What have I done wrong? Why am I not enough? What is it that they want? And so you start feeling like you just are missing a part of yourself. You feel abandoned. It's this horrible feeling. And then worst case scenario within the realm of what I'm talking about, you start to, your relationship with yourself starts to crack, okay? You, you go, you can go from being someone confident to then having your confidence about yourself shattered. You end up someone who, you could go from someone who was like really, you know, comfortable within their own skin and confident to being so, you know, heartbroken that you end up second guessing yourself all the time and thinking, oh, I used to feel like, you know, like an attractive person. And I'm not just talking about physical attraction. I'm talking about the, the energy that you bring. And then you think, oh, this person just like dropped me like a fucking, you know, whatever the saying is. And it feels like they didn't even blink. And now I feel so in pain. Or my parents just said the most awful thing to me and couldn't care less about my feelings. Or I just got dropped from a job that I put my heart and soul into and they just they had no remorse and they just let me go. Those feelings then start to bleed into all the other areas of your life and you start feeling, you start to question yourself, you start to doubt yourself and you start to look at the people around you and you start to compare yourself and you start to think, I am not enough. These people managed to secure what I tried to secure. They seem to be doing well. What the fuck is wrong with me? That is how a lot of people end up feeling and you might find yourself in that situation right now. So let's talk about six things you can do to start to change that feeling. And you can start to change that feeling today, okay? You could have been dumped yesterday and start to do some of these things now. The beauty of it is, is that as everything, you can do it, you know, a little bit, you can do it a lot. It takes practice, you get better and better at it. But every single thing that I'm talking about, you can start actioning today and you're going to start to feel better, even if just a tiny bit, even if just for a moment, you'll start feeling better today. Okay. Number one, become disciplined in something and stick to it. When you prove something to yourself, it will always, always, always mean more than proving something to someone else. It will pay dividends. You choose one thing, and you get disciplined at it and you get to prove something to yourself and the moment you prove that thing to yourself, everything changes. You have this respect for yourself. You have this almost this ability to not need to prove anything to anyone. It almost flips everything on its head and you go from being like, oh, am I enough? Am I this? Am I that? To being like, wow, fuck, I'm pretty fucking... I'm pretty invincible. I'm pretty good. So a personal story of mine, when I had like that big breakup that, you know, caused my life to change, caused me to move to Paris, I decided I would heavily get into running. And my goal was to run half a marathon. Now, I grew up as an asthmatic. I couldn't even do the beep test in high school because I would like be like, you know, whipping out the ventilator and having a meltdown, bubble child, all the above. So I had it in my head that I couldn't run or I couldn't do any cardio. I could do swimming because the doctor recommended that and that was it. And my breathing was pretty fucking shit growing up. Then I started running before this breakup happened and I found that I really liked it. I could only run, I don't know, a couple of Ks, whatever, but I really enjoyed it. After the breakup happened, I thought I need to have a goal. I need to have something 
that I can work towards that only involves me. And I decided that I was going to run a half marathon. And this was a few months after the breakup. It wasn't straight away. So I thought I'm going to prove to myself that I'm capable of doing this. I always thought that I wouldn't be able to run. I always thought that I couldn't do this. I would, And because I had this goal and this passion that I was really wanting to get behind, it became something that I could pour myself into wholeheartedly. And while I was doing that, I was only thinking about that thing. And it, no one gave a fuck if I could run half a marathon or not. No one cares if you can run half a marathon. When people do it, you better be doing it for yourself because no one really gives a fuck. But I decided to do it for myself. And I ran this half marathon. And the only goal I set to myself was I want to run it the whole time. I don't care how slow the run is, but I want to be running the whole time. I don't want to walk. That was the goal I had set for myself. And I can't, it was like two and a bit hours. I can't remember the time I set, but I did it. And I remember proving to myself that I was able to do this. I'd always had this idea in my head that my asthma wouldn't allow me to do it. I could never, I could never. And I remember crossing the finish line, not needing my Ventolin and straight after crossing the finish line in Hyde Park, I call my mum and I'm sobbing. And I think I was just sobbing out of, I don't know. It was like I was, I was just so emotional that I had finally proved something to myself. And I, to this day, have carried that with me. I love it. And I refer back to that moment when I embark on other things in my life. When you prove something to yourself and no one else, you respect yourself. You earn a level of respect for yourself that you never thought you could have. You look back and you say, I did that thing. I'm capable. I am adaptable. I can grow. I can achieve things, you know, and if you fail at it, you can still adapt it and try again in a different, slightly different way. You can always edit your goals, but to stick to something and to do it, and it doesn't even have to be results driven. It could be, you know, I want to three times a week jump into the ocean. I want to wake up at this time every single day. I want to be able to read for 30 minutes every single day and I can do that. And then by the end of the year, how many books have I read? That kind of shit, okay? But discipline, 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 discipline will teach you more about yourself than you ever thought possible. And when you are in times of pain, times of self-doubt, times that you feel like you're not enough, to become disciplined in something will help calm the mind, it'll help center you, it'll help remove all distractions and bring your focus to this one task that you're wanting to do. And if you're not sure what that task is, just pick the most simple thing ever, 10 minutes of reading a day, 10 minutes of meditation. You have to walk around the block every single day. Make it as simple as you want or as complicated as you want. But discipline. Number two, isolate the feeling. What is the precise feeling where you feel lack, where you feel that you are not enough in? Is it in your physical appearance? Is it in your intelligence? Is it in your resources, like your money, your possessions, or your access to people, networks, or education? Is it connection to others, friendships, relationships? What, where do you feel that you are not enough in? Because often you'll realize that this feeling of being not enough is not in every area of your life. It's in one, maybe a couple of areas in your life where you feel that you're lacking. 
But often it's not in every area. There are some people that have massive issues in self-confidence in some area, but then they've actually got a lot going for them in other areas. But because their focus is so heavily based on where they're lacking their confidence and where they don't feel that they're enough, they don't lean into the other areas where they could be gaining so much and, and growing and evolving and developing and potentially creating all these opportunities for themselves because they're focusing on this area where they're lacking, okay? So it's really good to isolate that feeling because when you can isolate that feeling, you're able to separate that from what you are really good at or what you are passionate about. You know, turn it around and ask yourself, like, what is it that I'm very good at or that I love to do? That when I do it, I could do it forever. I really enjoy it. You know, can you reignite something where you feel purpose behind doing that thing? Maybe you're a great cook and you think, wow, I actually haven't tapped into that skill. And when I cook, I feel really capable and I feel like a fucking lord actually because I'm fucking good at it. I'm better than, you know, what are you better than most people that you know at one thing? And it could be the stupidest thing. Lean into those things. Those are what increase your confidence. When you do something that fills you with passion, you think, oh, I could do this forever. Okay. So while you might feel abandoned in one area of your life, there's always going to be other areas where you are thriving. Okay. Are you good at, you know, helping others? Are you good at teaching people things? What else in your life is going well for you? Are your friends legends and every time you hang out with them, you just feel so elated? Like what in your life is going well for you that is completely separate and isolated from the event where you feel that you are lacking? Because if someone's dumped you, you got to ask yourself, where do I feel that I'm not enough? Is it that I feel I'm not lovable? Is it that I feel that I'm not unique enough? Is it like what? It's always good to isolate so that way you've come compartmentalized this one or two things. If you don't isolate it and identify it, then you're going to feel across the board, I'm not good enough. And then you don't work on the things that you love and you don't work on the things that you can get good at and grow in. Okay. Um, yeah, I just think it's really important to be isolating things, especially when it comes to like limiting beliefs, limiting thoughts, identify that thought, name it, isolate it, and then you can do something about it. Number three, be patient and pause. When something happens to you that causes you to feel this way, you have to give yourself time. Because it's all well and good to be like, oh, hustle, 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 work hard. Oh, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. But when that happens, if you don't pause and process what's going on, you actually end up hurting a lot. It ends up affecting you so much. And if you're not processing this thing, you never fully move past it. You can't just bury it under the rug because it's going to crop up in all these other areas in your life. Just because something failed for you, you haven't failed and you aren't a failure. Just because something hasn't worked out for you doesn't mean your life isn't going to work out for you, you know, or, you know, it doesn't mean that who you are isn't going to work out for you in the future. Your life is working out and speed bumps and hurdles and bombs going off in your life, that's all part of the journey and it's okay for you to pause and take a moment when these things happen. I actually think it's really important. I, I'm, I come across as like, oh, tough love, tough love, tough, tough love. But if you listen to all my episodes, one of the, my main things is that when you are hit with a blow, when you have pain, 
to process that pain and to sit with it and to understand it and to be patient with yourself. So then you can be a badass and go on and do all those things because you've learned about yourself, you've processed it and you've understood it, okay? Because life is contrast, 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 light, dark, light, dark, pain, beauty, pain, beauty. And on the other side of pain, on the other side of these horrible, ugly feelings are great feelings, is growth, is connection, is purpose, is understanding, is learning about yourself, is all these things. When you pause, you give yourself time to grieve what you're grieving and you break the circuit most importantly. You know, you give yourself space to reflect, to move on. If you don't break the circuit, then you bury all the shit under the rug and then you think, oh, I'm going to have this facade, fake it till I make it kind of thing. I, I, there are times where I agree with fake it till you make it, but not when it comes to pushing aside pain that needs to be addressed. If you don't change how you speak to yourself, if you don't change how, what, what you believe about yourself and you just sweep it under the rug and pretend that it's all good, then, then there's no benefit, is there? You know, if you break the circuit by stopping and thinking, I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing every single day. I need to stop. I need to allow myself to be sad. I need to say, you know what, what happened to you was fucked and I am shitty and I am going to have a day in bed because I just need to get it all out. I need to cry. That's good. That's different to suffering. Suffering is when you use every opportunity to, to link everything back to your pain and make it all about you and be the victim when you've got an opportunity for growth. That's the difference. But allow yourself to be patient with yourself, be kinder with yourself. And then when you re-attempt something in, in the realm of self-love, you can do it with more understanding. Number four, add value to your life. What do you value and how, how do you add value to other people? So everybody wants to feel useful. And when you do something that makes you feel useful, you feel like you're part of something bigger than just the self. And I don't think we realize how good it feels to be useful until we do it. A lot of the time we think, oh, no, 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 I'm an introvert. I'm not interested. Or, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so under the pump. The last thing I'm going to do is make myself useful for someone else. And if you feel that way, it's probably because you've forgotten how good it feels to be useful. And I'm not talking about burning the candle at both ends and going and doing this hectic work that's unpaid. So, you know, you're this become this martyr. Not at all. You can make it really, really, really simple. When you're suffering, it's really, really hard to break away from what's happening within you. And what you focus on expands. So you start thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just not good enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough for these people. So why am I going to approach them? I don't think I'm funny enough. I don't think I'm, you know, entertaining enough or unique enough. So I'm not going to try and speak to that person I've got a crush on. Or I'm not going to try and make friends with those people that seem really fun. I'm not enough. And then you become, that then bleeds into every other area of your life. You get imposter syndrome at work, all of that. So instead of that, Try and find things where you feel like you add value and not where someone, in, someone is determining your value. So they're completely different things. You adding value is you thinking, I'm going to do this for this person without them asking me to do it or I'm going to do this for this animal or for this nature strip or whatever the fuck I'm doing and I feel like I've contributed. I feel like I've made myself useful and I feel really good because I just added value to myself. I added value to the community. I added value to that person's day by smiling at them or by telling them something really nice. I added value to this person's day because I was able to, if you're in this position, pay for their coffee before I paid for mine or whatever it is. Okay. So it's like these little things that are this little spark in the day of like, 
oh, that felt, I felt really good. I felt like I have a good purpose today. I feel like I'm on purpose today, you know, and you can really shift where your focus is from being like, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. This is fucked. I'm not enough. I'm, I'm now self-critical and all these things to, wow, I'm really on purpose. I feel really like that felt fucking good. I feel useful. I want to be useful. I want people to, you know, make the most of what I have to offer. And then it's you determining your value. It's not someone saying, I might, may, may not date you. I don't know. Mm, you know, I might call you. I'm going to orbital ghost the fuck out of you. All of that shit. So you've got to do this by finding moments in your day where you are giving value to your day and to somebody else or to something else, okay? So what can you do that you're good at? Who can you help? What can you improve? That's why gardening is so good for people's moods and it's so good for people with depression because you are contributing to something and you're helping something live. And if you've tried gardening and you've killed all your plants, that just may not be your thing, but it doesn't mean that you can't add value to something else. That's why people love having pets because they have a purpose. You know, that's why pets are so good for people with depression because you have a purpose. You have to keep this thing alive. You have to walk it. You have to start doing all these things. And before you know it, you've created a routine and you're doing it for someone else, but you're also doing it for yourself without realizing. So all these things of adding value to something or someone else is going to add value to yourself. You're going to determine that value, okay? Number five, reflect on what you have and lean on it. So without going into crazy detail, those of you that have been on my journey will understand that my podcast was down and up and down again, up and down for about four months last year. And long story short, it was not something that I wanted and it was really making me so upset. And I remember, because the podcast is like my, outside of my relationships, is my greatest love in my life. I absolutely love to do it. So when I wasn't podcasting and when I didn't know what my options were and what I could do and I was so upset, I used to think, you know, well, at least the podcast is up. If the podcast gets pulled, pulled down, that's the worst case scenario. It's the worst case scenario. And then it happened. And it really was at, in that moment, the worst case scenario. And I was so upset. I remember when it first got pulled down, it was really late at night. My manager was messaging me. She's like, where's the podcast? We're getting all these messages. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I couldn't, Tyrone's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, oh, I have to. And I was like walking around Rushcutters Bay like late at night, just basically like trying not to have a meltdown. Anyway, so that's what the whole thing started. And every day I was so stressed. I didn't know what to do. Like I was just, and then in, in the midst of all of that, a few weeks in, I had a week away with my family. And it was in the middle of all this stress, right? And I was like, oh, it's just go, Alexis. It'll be really good for you. I'll just, I'll just go. So I go to this week away with my family and we went for swims together. We went and got ice cream. This was all my cousins, my sister, my cousins. We had the dogs there, aunties, uncles, everyone. And we watched movies. We cooked meals together. We did massive puzzles because my cousins and I love doing puzzles. We solved all the world's problems in our conversations. Like we... I just had a week away and really just re-engaged with the people that I fucking adore doing the things that I fucking adore. And it's, for me, it's always the basics. The things that I love the most are like doing a puzzle with my cousins, you know, cooking a random meal, doing, doing shit like that with, with my cousins, with my family. And I just had, I just felt so fucking good. And 
the pain felt so much further away. Like it just wasn't consuming me anymore and I still had no solution. I still had no idea how things were going to unfold. I still was like, wow, I really said that the podcast going down was the worst case scenario and the worst case scenario had unfolded. And then when I leaned into the things that I loved the most in my life, I realized that even when what I feared the most would happen in the realm of my career, it wasn't soul-destroying because I still had all these things that I loved that made me feel really complete, that made me feel really on purpose, that made me feel really at peace. So I think it's really important to reflect on the really important things in your life that you love that are separate to this thing that's caused you to not feel enough and to lean into those things and to spend more time with those people and or in those situations. And if it's not necessarily people, think about a location that you love that maybe you have been to a while, spend more time there. You know, think about it could be absolutely anything. It could be a hobby that you love to do. It could be whatever. Okay, but you have to identify the things that really, really bring you joy. And when you're in those moments, you realize, wow, I actually like I actually can identify that I'm suffering, but I'm putting a little bit of distance in between myself and that suffering. And I don't feel completely like unworthy because I'm distancing myself from that thing. All right. Last one. Number six you need time to recreate what your life could be like if you give yourself a chance. Sometimes you feel like you're not enough because you've lost your future identity. So again, I'm going back to the breakup one because it's pretty much what we can, most of us can relate to. But when you're in a relationship with someone, especially if it's a serious committed one, you feel like you have got it all, the whole future planned out in your mind, right? You're like, this is my person. We all have this idea, this this calling someone my person, okay? So whether you think that's good or not, doesn't matter. But you're like, this is my person. I'm going to spend the rest of, this is my soulmate. This is my whatever. I'm going to spend my life with this person. We're going to build a home. We might have, you know, children. We might have pets. We're living together or not, whatever. But you're building this future. And in your head, you've got this person alongside you for the rest of your life. The same could go for you know, a friendship group. The same could go for a career that you're like, I've put my heart and soul into this thing and for for one reason or another, it's just absolutely fallen flat on its face and for whatever reason, you might not be able to ever get back to that, okay? So you have lost your imagined future identity and it's so fucked because – we try and push through, push through, push through, but we feel very lost. We feel like this whole life that I've created for myself in reality and then based off this reality I've created a future in my mind is now not an option for me. It's been taken away from me, okay, or it's just vanished. So now I have to deal with the fact that everything I've created in my mind, all these hopes and dreams and wishes and desires and excitement and everything is gone. And I have to now grieve that. And what am I going to do? So this is why I say you have to pause and regroup and take the time, which I said like a few points ago. But then you have to allow yourself to recreate what your life could look like. Because if you 
don't, then you're feeling the void way too much, okay? And and you're living in the past way too much. So I know that for me, the reason why I struggled to get over my breakups in the past when I was in my 20s is because I didn't really look at my future that much. I was more living in the past thinking, no, this can't be right. He'll come back. I, I'm in denial, in denial, denial, the past, the past, what life could have been, what life could have been. And I was stuck in this cycle of what life could have been. And then every time I would imagine my future, I would think, oh, it just wouldn't be as good as what it could have been. Had I spent more time getting a bit creative with what my life could look like, then I think I would probably have had more moments of ease in my pain. I want you to get fucking creative and think, all right, just for fun, while I'm having a break of crying or feeling really flat or feeling really down, I'm going to imagine what my life could look like given that it can no longer be how I thought it was going to be. And this is a great thing to do after a breakup because the beauty about something happening to you where you have no control of that makes you feel like you're now lacking or something is that it actually offers you an opportunity to have something that you never would have normally had. And it's not to say your life will be better or worse, but it's something new and different that you had you stayed in the old life, you would have never done. And to me, that's one of the most exciting things about these life changing events where you think it's all doom and gloom, but in reality, it's more so opportunity and growth. Doom and gloom at the start, opportunity and growth a little bit later. And that's how you want to look at it. So ask yourself, is there a career that I never really entertained, but now I realistically could entertain this career option now? Is there? And the answer is yes, there fucking is. It's just a matter of what is it? Is there someone out there for me that's a better match? Like I might have loved this person so much But did I love everything about how they treated me? Did I love everything about their behavior all the time? Were they as spontaneous as I wanted them to be? Or were were they not as much of a homebody as I would have loved to be with someone like that? You know, is it possible that there's a fucking more of a match for me out there where we are just vibing? The answer is yes, it's definitely possible. Is it possible that I could live in a brand new location where every day is different, where I'm learning new things and new people, where I've thrown myself in the deep end and I'm fucking thriving and I'm going to be telling my grandkids about this experience later on in life. Yes, it's possible. So when you start asking yourself these things, you start to get a bit excited about your future and you think, wait a minute, yes, I am allowed to grieve this future that I had thought I was going to have and now it's, it won't happen. But I'll take time off from that grief and I'm going to get fucking creative. I'm going to daydream and I'm going to daydream up all these possibilities, what that could look like. I did that with my trip to France. I was like, just imagine going down in a French street and buying my food for the day. And then when I moved to France, I fucking did that. I would go down with my little canvas bag and buy shit that I was going to cook for the day and go back to my little apartment where you could see the Eiffel Tower. And I'm like, I'm fucking living my daydreamed, imagined dream. Okay. It's possible for you. You just have to, you have to get creative. You have to think, I'm just going to think a little bit broader outside the lines because the, the alternative to that is to, to grieve, grieve, grieve the life that you thought you were going to have and didn't have and then to look for things that will fit into that same thing 
to pacify yourself again. So that's why a lot of people will jump from one relationship straight into another relationship that might not even be the best fit for them, but they're like, now I'm comfortable because it's kind of aligned with what I thought, you know, my life was going to look like. And now I'm kind of clicking it back into place. That might make you happy and that's great, but let yourself be creative. So then you can determine, okay, is, do I just want a replica of the life that I thought I was going to have? Or do I want to bleed outside the lines a little bit and see where this could take me? You know, you, the life that you had imagined and prepared for is no longer on the table and that hurts. And that's what causes us to feel like we're missing something, we're lacking something, we mustn't have been enough for someone to cut us out, for someone to reject us, for us not to get what we wanted to get. We just are not enough. But if you turn the tables and you get creative, you start thinking maybe there's a better match for what I am and what I want to do. And it's not about not being enough. It's about it just not being the right match. It just not clicking and it's just not how it's supposed to be. Maybe the reason this has happened is because deep down, I might be craving something that's beyond any of this. And again, it doesn't have to be better, quote unquote, or greater or bigger. It just is something, you know, where you will really thrive in. That's not this. Don't settle for a life where your value is determined by someone or something who is not you or who doesn't have your best interest at heart. And don't settle for a life where you tell yourself that you're not worth it. This is this one life. You can't be sitting there telling yourself that you're not enough. Because if you don't, who will? Other than me in this podcast, because you are fucking enough. But you have to tell yourself that, you know. You can relearn a way of living that's going to make you feel good. It's simple. And it's not necessarily easy, but with practice it becomes very easy. And the beauty of it is that you don't have to change right now today, but you have to be willing to change. You have to be open to change. And when you're receptive to changing, and to change around you, everything starts getting a little bit better. You could be in the dumps right now with something that's happened to you that's caused you to not feel like you're enough. You could be in a place where you feel so unworthy and in the matter of a year, maybe two years, you could be living a life beyond your imagination of what you can be imagining right now, okay? Your home, your job your relationship, your outlook on life, your relationship with yourself, your happiness, all of that could completely be transformed in a matter of a year, maybe less for some people, maybe a bit more for others. And the first step is to acknowledge that it's possible. And the moment you acknowledge that these daydreams are possible, whether you follow them or not, doesn't matter. The moment you're like, that's a possibility, that's a little light, a flickering light. And then that light will flicker off and you're like, I feel like shit again. And then you're like, "Mm, it's possible. That light flickers a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And then this flickering light that felt like a bit of hope in your darkest days starts to turn into this like raging fire that makes you go and chase those things that you want to work for, that makes you go and, you know, set goals for yourself and become disciplined and follow through with these big ideas and take those big but calculated risks. That Little flame becomes this big fire that is the next version of you, the 2.0 version of you, okay? That is available for you. But you have to focus on all these steps when you're feeling low about yourself because you can't just ignore it because when you ignore it, you're pretty much saying, I'm not worth paying attention to this feeling, which is not 
fair to yourself, you can't just push past it completely and act like nothing happened because this is a moment for you to learn and grow. So the only thing you can do is to address it, to understand it, to be patient, and then to grow from it. So in conclusion, let's quickly go over those six things again. Number one, become disciplined in something and stick to it. Number two, isolate that feeling. And then when you isolate that feeling, you're able to then focus on the other feelings where you, where you feel good. Number three, be patient and pause and give yourself time to grieve and break the circuit. Don't just keep pushing through. Number four, add value to your life and make yourself feel valuable. Don't seek this feeling of value in other people. Add value to other people, yourself and situations and things like a fucking fiddle leaf fig plant. Number five, reflect on all the good that you have and lean into that. Like my story with my family, going away, doing puzzles. What is it that makes you feel on top of the world? And can you lean into more of that so then there's more of a balance in your life so you can separate yourself from that intensity? And number six, give yourself the space to become really creative and recreate what your life could look like. And there doesn't have to be any limitations to that creativity. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode of today. We have a listener question and... Oh, one thing that I did want to bring back is doing a call out to my global beans around the world because it's really cool to see where my listeners are coming from. So I want to give a shout out to my listeners in Scotland, in Nigeria, in Nepal, and also in Panama. I love my global beans so much. I love you all so much. And I've just, I keep meeting you guys around it's just the best. If you guys are from Melbourne, by the way, I'm. This is you're hearing this the day it gets released on Friday. I'm actually flying to Melbourne today, Friday, uh, and I'm going to be there for four and a half days just for a little getaway with Tyrone. So if I see any of you Melbourneian beans, you guys are like lit and diehard and I love you so much. It's so much fun. Please say hello. I will be so excited to meet you guys. Uh, that is all. Okay, listen to question time. Good times. Okay. It's time for the listener question. Hello, I'm certain that I'm a toxic partner, but I feel so confused about the situation or why I have done it. My partner and I have now broken up, but while together, I was not reactive in the beginning. He lied about still speaking with his last friends with benefits while I was away traveling and I let it slide. He took nudes of me without knowing, that's like beyond whatever, And I found out and made him watch a documentary on feminism. He lied about engaging with his ex-friends with benefits while out and broke a big promise to me on that. However, after these things happened, as more flowed in, I got more toxic myself. I became controlling, telling him to block this girl altogether, not go out if she was there, not engage with her at all. I listened to your episode recently where you discussed how to walk away when someone thinks the worst of you. And you noted that if you don't let someone leave during an argument, you're toxic. Just to clarify that, I'm saying that it is a toxic behavior to do that. I'm not saying that you as a person are toxic. There's a difference between an individual labeling them themselves entirely as toxic and a behavior being toxic and you trapping someone in a room where they need space to think and rationalize is unhealthy. That's what I mean, just to clarify. I used to do that. I wanted things resolved then and there and I couldn't hold my emotions in the end. Um, oftentimes he would take space or just not get back to me in an argument and I wouldn't hear from him for days at a time. He would lie or break a promise and then I was the one chasing him or begging him to apologize. 
I came up with a strategy where if he needed a break, it was cool, but just give me the time you'll be back. However, when he came back, it was me leading the resolution again and him suggesting nothing. Eventually, as things progressed towards the end, I was fully aware and working with the therapist in all the ways that I was controlling or manipulative. E.g., I had asked him not to tell his friends about our arguments and he said the same. However, he said his therapist told him to leave me and that he needs to work on his self-esteem. He walked away and I feel like I was so toxic, but I also, but also that I was the one working on my behavior and it was left to me. I know he did things to hurt me and did not pull his weight in the relationship, but I know I was toxic. I worried, I worry I may be a narcissist. I'm not sure. I can't make sense of this whole situation and I just want it to make sense so I can move on. I feel this deep need to label someone as the bad guy and I can't move forward without doing that. Recently, we've been in touch and he's told me how he's speaking to someone and it's, quote, like they have the same brain. He said his intention is not to sleep with her, but he wouldn't stop if it happened. I found myself hurting and confused and accusing him of already sleeping with her after he's had push-pull behavior with me. I guess my question is as follows. I became toxic after multiple attempts at doing it healthy. Why can't I walk away from the first few red flags? Why do I persist? Why can't I leave? And what do I do knowing... I am this way. Thank you. I've loved listening to your podcast. It's a game changer. Okay. So look, there's a few things here. Firstly, it seems like it's the right thing that it ended. You guys obviously did not seem compatible. He was doing some very unhealthy behaviors. We'll talk about if yours were toxic or not or whatever, but there was it was unhealthy. Okay. There was a lack of trust. There were issues. You mentioned that you were pulling the weight and he wasn't. It seems like he's just, as far as a relationship, it's not viable. Secondly, I wouldn't recommend that you guys communicate with each other. There's no point because it doesn't seem like it's an actual friendship because friends respect boundaries. You're not respecting his boundary here. Whether he's an asshole or not, it's irrelevant. You're not in a relationship now. So to then be accusing someone of sleeping with someone, he's single. The cunt can sleep with whoever he wants. Do you know what I mean? And also when someone denies something that's personal to them, they are entitled to do that. I think a lot of people put the pressure on someone saying, you lied to me. You never told me you slept with that person. None of your business. If it doesn't directly involve you, you can't put pressure on someone disclosing information that is private. Okay. So this whole thing, he says his intention is not to sleep with her. I found myself, you know, accusing him of already unhealthy, 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 back away. You guys should not even have a friendship, at least at this stage. So just fucking eliminate. Next, you're saying, I feel this deep need to label someone as the bad guy and I can't move forward without doing that. Yes, you can move forward without doing that. You are choosing not to because you are fixating on something that is consuming you, but you can, okay? It is a choice. Um, I feel like maybe you have tied a lot of your need to be forgiven in order to move forward. That's what you're latching onto. You're focusing, you're fixating so heavily on thinking until I get the the all clear that, you know, I am okay, I am forgiven, that we're on good terms, I can't move forward. But there are going to be situations in life where you have fucked up, where someone else has fucked up, where it's just not gone well. And you may or may not be forgiven and you can still move past that. By, by saying I have the need to label someone as the bad guy, you're, you're saying you need to blame this on somebody. You need to find someone to blame. Sometimes you don't have to blame anyone. Sometimes the reason a relationship goes so badly is because you have two people 
who are not emotionally mature enough to tackle what's ahead. And sometimes when you've got one person who's super emotionally immature and you're dating them, it causes you to mirror these behaviors if you haven't been there before. So had you experienced something like this before and then he's doing things that are going past your boundaries and, you know, taking photos of you naked and all of that, if that had happened to you in the past, if this was to happen again, you'd be able to set these boundaries and walk away or you'd be able to do something about it. But if you kind of uh, uh, knew at all of this and all these unhealthy behaviors are happening, you might find yourself mirroring back these unhealthy behaviors. You also mentioned that maybe you're a narcissist. You might very well be a narcissist, but based on what you've told me, that doesn't really seem like a narcissistic behavior at all. I've got a whole episode on narcissistic behavior. It's quite specific what a narcissist is. So go check that one out. Um, and I, I just don't think that this is narcissistic behavior. Um, <clears throat> you also, yeah, so I guess at the very end, I guess my question is as follows. I became toxic after multiple attempts at doing it healthy. When you try doing something healthy and it doesn't work out, the solution to that is not to then do it in an unhealthy way. The solution to that is then potentially walk away or try and give the other person more responsibilities. But if the other person is completely not receptive, then the solution is to walk away. It's not like, oh, I tried to be good. Now I'm just going to be a cunt. That's just not how you're going to feel fulfilled and how you're going to feel happy. That's just not how it's ever going to work. So... That's not a way of justifying your toxic behavior. A better way that I would think of of justifying the toxic behavior is that this is just a big fucking learning curve for you and you were confronted with behaviors that maybe you weren't confronted with in the past, it was difficult to deal with and your reaction is to respond with these behaviors to protect yourself. That's pretty normal. A lot of unhealthy behaviors in a relationship are due to someone trying to protect themselves. And once you learn, you do better. Once you learn, you do better. And it just goes on and on and on. Okay. Then you say, why can't I walk away from the first few red flags? Why do I persist? Well, that's just really common. In general, people struggle to walk away from a relationship because they're trying to avoid losing what they've got. It's, it's not that the relationship obviously just wasn't a whole bunch of red flags. You obviously cared for this guy. You obviously loved this guy. That's why you couldn't walk away. And when red flags happen, they don't happen just independently. They happen mixed up with all these things that you like about the person. So you weigh up and you think, well, I'm willing to put up with these red flags because there's enough good that makes me want to stay. Another thing is that a lot of people think, well, I don't want to give up everything we've had so far. So I'm willing to stick it out because I feel like it would just be such a waste to throw in the towel. That's a lot of people's reasoning behind that. So that's why people struggle to leave. Now you say, what do I do knowing I'm this way? Based on what you've said, nothing of your behavior is really that unfixable or unhealthy. Um, You know, it's, I just think that when you notice that someone is treating you poorly and you understand that your reaction to that is to then treat them poorly in response, then you should raise that with them and say, look, my protective mechanism is to mirror back unhealthy behaviors. So in order to not do that, I've identified these behaviors. I don't feel comfortable. Can we talk about it? And you bring it to light. This person has broken your boundaries again and again and again and again. He's made you feel like shit. He's probably, you know, really hurt your self-esteem or your relationship with yourself. And then you've gone into protective mode to protect yourself and you've got these behaviors. But I feel like 
you're being a bit too hard on yourself with what you're saying. You're, you're saying, you know, like, what do I do knowing I'm this way? You're not, this isn't a permanent thing. You can easily, easily change your behaviours. However, it takes a lot of um, self-reflection and self-awareness. And I think that when someone displays unhealthy behaviours in a relationship in response to being treated poorly, then that is very understandable and it's, it's more so in the future I need to identify these behaviours in a partner earlier so I can try and fix it or walk away. My response won't be to then be toxic in, in, in return, okay? Hopefully that helped but, yeah, I think you're just being a little bit too hard on yourself. I think you shouldn't have any relationship whatsoever with this person. It's going to help you move on a lot quicker. If you've got a relationship with an ex where you're bickering and you think it's a friendship, you're fucking in denial. That's all I can say. A friendship is a fucking friendship. People who try and keep their ex in their lives yet cause them, and while are causing themselves so much animosity are in denial. You just want to be in a relationship but you're just not – it's just not clicking. So if you can't have an actual friendship with your ex, there should be no relationship, okay? Or it should be civil if you absolutely have to see this person because you're in the same circles. But, you know, you accusing someone of sleeping with someone, fuck. You are entitled to sleep with whoever the fuck you want when you're single, as is he. And if it makes it that painful, you shouldn't be talking to him. So my advice is cut him out of your life. Take some time working on your self-love. I've got a bunch of episodes on that. And then probably just focus on identifying behaviours that are healthy in someone versus unhealthy and don't react by mirroring a toxic behaviour back. Raise the issue at the start. If the person is unwilling to change, then you're at a crossroads saying, do I want to pursue things further with someone who's not willing to change this unhealthy way of treating me or not? Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Love you all so much. As always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.